What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right. Good morning. 11 o'clock. How we doing? Good. All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and stand to our feet and let's jump right into it. Come on now. I'm excited to share and uh, I'm going to sit with you guys in a minute. So uh, here we go. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 1, or sorry, yeah, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So go to the end of the book. If you got your Bibles, go to the end of the book, not regular John in the middle. We're going to go to 1 John, little itty bitty letters, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And um, I just believe that what God's going to speak to us this morning, uh, it's going to be a little punch to the gut spiritually, but it's going to be good for us. Amen? Okay? Cool. Let's do it. This is going to be good. All right, it says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship, everybody say fellowship, fellowship. with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Ooh, come on. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, I pray that this message will speak to not just minds but hearts. And Holy Spirit, as you continue to do what you're doing, just grateful for what you're doing in this house, in this place. And so we just pray that you would continue to move, we continue to speak. We love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to sit with you guys. Here we go. And so do me a favor, take some notes, uh, pull out your phones, pull out your notebook, whatever you need to do. We're going to take some notes today. We're going to take a lot of notes. And um, I'm just uh, excited to jump into this first service. We had a lot of, uh, lot of fun. It was exciting what God was doing in the room. I think it landed real well. And so uh, let's see what happens this experience. Sound good? Sound good. So we've been talking about a home for spiritual family. We've been talking about this idea that God has called us to be intertwined, right? Last week we talked about how discipleship and relationship go hand in hand and how we need other people in our discipleship process. And so today I want to talk to you about something that I feel is desperately needed, not just in our church, but in all churches. And it's something that I believe God is bringing us back to and focusing on. And it's this idea of accountability. Everybody say accountability. And so the main focus of today's conversation is accountability. We all need it. And I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm not going to go viral for this message. I, tell, I promise. Right? Because it's not like something people like to talk about. Right? We need accountability. Let's talk about accountability. But First John, just, man, what a powerful, powerful passage that God is just speaking to us. I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I read this, I felt like I was reading the Old Testament, and this is in the New Testament. Here, John is beginning to describe what walking with Jesus looks like and what walking with God looks like. And, and I think now more than ever before, we need clarity on this because we need to know what it means to really walk with Jesus and not walk with Jesus so that we can walk in the fullness of discipleship and our calling that God has called us to walk in. Does that sound good? Okay. So I want to tell you about accountability. 
I wanna talk to you about this need for accountability, why we need it, and how our accountability is connected to the relationships we have in our life. Love 1 John, love this passage, love this passage of scripture. I remember one time I was in a season of my life where uh, just had Zadok, he's my boy, He's six now, but I think he was just born. And if you're a parent in here, uh, how many know that your kid kind of raises, your kid is kind of raised by the TV, let's just be honest. <laughs> and so watch a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. And I already like watching TV shows and movies anyways. And so we were in a season, and I, I've shared this before, but, but I don't know if some of you were here, so I want to share this again. Um, we were in a season where my son, at, at like six months, he loved cars. I don't know if any parents know what I'm talking about. Cars, Lightning McQueen. Come on now. If you're not a parent, you don't understand. If you're a Gen Zer, you understand. Because y'all grew up with Lightning McQueen and right, Kachow. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about? Kachow. My son loved Lightning McQueen. That was his jam. Cars was his jam. And I remember one time I'm watching TV. I'm just watching the movie with him. And there's this one scene in the first part of, of, of Cars. Um, this one scene where, where Lightning McQueen, he's the man. For those that have never watched the movie, let me give you the gist of it because you're like, what, are we t- what is he talking about? So it's about this guy, this car, who's like this hot shot, new guy, young kid, and he's just amazing. He's just winning races and he's just popular. All right, it's the AC. We're good. All right, just making sure. I thought it was a demon, but no, we're good. <laughs> Anyways, cars. He, uh, he's winning races. He's the man. And he ends up finding like family and connection. And there's, it's just a real, it's a good movie. It's a cool little kid's movie. It's cute. But there's this one scene in the beginning where he's just crushing it. He's just winning all these races. And he's just doing it. He's talented and he's gifted. And this one guy comes up to him. He's kind of an older uh, racer. And he, they call him the king, right? And the, the king comes up to him. And he just beat the king in a race. And the king comes up to him. And he goes, Lightning, you're one of the most talented, best racers I've ever seen at your age. And then Lightning McQueen starts to be like, oh, thanks, king. But right before he's about to say, oh, thanks, the king cuts him off. And he goes, but you're stupid. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes ever. And Lightning's like, what? He's like, you're stupid. You need, you need people in your life. You need to stop doing the dumb things that you're doing. And I remember I'm watching it with my six-month-year-old son. And like the Lord just speaks to me. I don't know about you, but God speaks to me through movies. And he speaks to me in the shower. I don't know why. But that's where he speaks to me. And he speaks to me at that moment, and he's like, Chris, you're Lightning McQueen. I was like 23, 24 years old. And he's like, Chris, you're Lightning McQueen. You're talented, you're gifted, you're anointed, but you're stupid. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he said, he said, you need people in your life to tell you you're being dumb. And, and I felt literally the Lord say this. I've sent you someone. He was talking about Eric Baca, our previous lead pastor here, who we're still very close with. And super excited. He's actually coming to speak in October. So for those of you that know him, it's going to be great. Yeah, he's finally coming back. We're able to work it in the schedules. His son's going to be here next week for Run This Town, Canaan. And all of a sudden, that dude got famous. I don't know how that happened. He has like a million views on YouTube and stuff. I'm like, who is this guy? And so we're really excited to have him. Um, but literally, I felt like the Lord tell me, like, sent you, Eric Baca, I've sent you people to tell you you're being dumb because you need it. Because the only way you and I are really going to develop, are really going to grow, are really going to walk in this thing that Jesus has called us to, is we need people that we can trust, that God trusts, to be accountable with us. We need people who are actually hand in hand with us, calling us higher and calling us deeper in Him. It's why church, it's why 
what we do is so important. It's why, why we do groups is so important is because you and I can't do this alone. We need people to be accountable with in our lives. We need to be people that hold each other accountable and we need people who hold us accountable. We need some people like that guy in that Cars movie, that car who told Lightning McQueen he's stupid to tell us when you and I, forgive me, but it's true, when you're being stupid. Because how many of you know we're not perfect? How many know we got some things, we got some issues, we got some stuff, and we need some people who to begin to speak to us and call us and challenge us. Why? In a healthy way, it deepens us and it grows us in our relationship with Jesus. Maturity happens often with confrontation, healthy confrontation. And we need that in our life to be able to walk through some of these things. So here in 1 John, let me just break down this verse a little bit. Here in 1 John, we see this, right? And, and, and man, John's just, just next level. John's the man. John is just writing such deep, profound things in this passage. And this is what he says. First and foremost, God is light. Amen? It's easy to understand. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Meaning the darkness of sin, the darkness of the world, the darkness of the enemy, the darkness of the demonic. There's no darkness in him. If we fellowship with Jesus, this is what he's saying. If we are with Jesus, walking with Jesus, but yet we walk in, light, in darkness, if we say we're walking with Jesus, this is for all of us in the room who are saying, yep, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus, but yet I also walk in darkness. We are lying to ourselves, and, Paul, and John says we're not practicing the truth. He then goes further on and says, but if we walk in light as he is in light, so, so now he distinguishes it. He says there's two paths. There's a path of light and there's a path of darkness. When you walk in light, you're with Jesus, right? Make sense? I know it could sound very simple, but I, I think it's profound. Walking in light means I'm walking with Jesus. Walking in darkness means I'm not walking in Jesus. And this is what he says. And when you walk in light because he's in the light, check this out. We have fellowship with one another. So now he connects walking with Jesus with walking with each other together in the light. Notice that he doesn't say you will walk in the light on your own. He says that once you walk in the light, you will find others that walk in the light. And when you both are walking in the light, that's the fulfillment of discipleship. Okay? And, th and then it says this, verse 7. When we walk in the light. Can you throw up verse 7 for me? Can someone throw up verse 7? That would be great. Perfect. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. I just explained that. With one another. And then this is what happens. This is the consequence of walking in the light. So first you got to just choose to walk in the light. Secondly, when you choose to walk in the light, you realize we walk in the light together. We don't walk in the light separate. And third, when we begin to walk in the light together, the blood of Jesus, which is his son, begins to cleanse us of our sin. What is John describing? John is describing the process of how God begins to cleanse us of sin, how he begins to purify us and make us holy. And part of that process is other individuals who are walking in the light, calling us to walk in light instead of walking in darkness. And then verse 9, he talks about how confession plays a huge part in this so that we can be cleansed from unrighteousness. He's not talking about confessing to just Jesus. He's talking about confessing to one another because we're already walking in light, right? It's setting a precedent. And all of this, why does this really matter? Because I believe this, is that we have a lot of individuals who call themselves Christians, but they do not walk in the light with each other. And maybe the reason why you're struggling with sin 
is not because God hasn't encountered you, but because you are not walking in light with other people. Family, can I challenge you with something? I love conferences. I love camps. I love services. I love Sundays. But maybe what you need is not another altar moment. Maybe what you need is someone to hold you accountable. Maybe you need someone to get in your Kool-Aid. Maybe you need someone to speak into you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Maybe we can't pretend to walk in light on Sundays, but then walk in darkness every other day of the week, and someone isn't calling us to walk in the light into a deeper capacity. We need someone to walk with us. We need spiritual family to walk with us so that we can continue to walk in light. Accountability, we all need it. We absolutely do. I need it, you need it, we all need it. Last week, uh, and, and I don't know if I said the second, I think I said the second service where I told everyone to delete my number. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, that was funny. Uh, you don't have to delete my number, but first service, didn't hear that one. Second service, I think I said that. But, but the, the, the connotation was, uh, who can you text? So who can you text to walk you through things? My question today is, who can call you out when you're being dumb? Who can do it? And if you're like, well, Pastor Chris, you can do it. Like, bro, we don't hang out all the time. That's just the truth, right? We all have busy lives. But who is in your life that's a follower of Jesus that can just kind of say, hey, man, I don't know about that podcast. Hey, man, I don't know about that movie. Hey, man, I don't know about going to that party. Hey, single person, I don't know about that relationship. Hey, bro, you reading your Bible? Hey, man, are you praying? Hey, I haven't seen you in church in three weeks. What's going on? Who is in your life that can keep you accountable? And if you don't have someone, I would challenge you today, find someone. It's not the responsibility of the people to find you to keep you accountable. It's your responsibility to find someone so you could be open to accountability. Let me talk to the church hurt people in the room real quick. People that struggle with church hurt, and that's a real thing, and I know that's happened. But I think oftentimes what we do is we have false expectations of the church, and what we do is we try to put so much on other people, but yet we don't want to take responsibility on our own. I'm not saying that people aren't broken and messed up, and they might do you dirty. They do. People are people. We've done people dirty. People have done us dirty. Thank God for Jesus' grace. But I'm just saying, if every time you have a problem and it's always because someone did something to you, you might not be a victim, but you just have a victim mentality. If every time you go to God and it's like, God, this person, this church, this family member, and you're always the one that's innocent, I'm telling you right now, you're not. You're not. I'm talking about all the time. You're not. You did something wrong. If this is like your fifth church, one of those churches you messed up. Let's just be real. And that's okay, we still love you and we'll take you. Or we'll help you find another one, it's all good. But, but it's the idea of, okay, if I need someone to keep me accountable, then I'm just gonna pray that God sends me someone. God ain't gonna send you someone. God's gonna give you the courage and grace to find someone. Because God could get people around you and you still won't listen, right? It wasn't Pastor Eric's responsibility to keep me accountable. It was my responsibility to be open and, and welcome that father mentorship, pastoring accountability in my life. And then when he gave me the pow-pow, come on now. Spiritual pow-pows, they're real. And they hurt. And, and boy, did Pastor Eric tell me, like, like the king did to Lighting McQueen, boy, did he tell me I'm stupid. Not in those words, but, oh, he kept me accountable. And it hurts. And the key was, it is better 
to be rebuked by a father or a friend that loves me to grow me deeper in Jesus than to let people just let me be in wildness and do whatever I want. I just, and again, trusted people, people you're connected with, group, right, people, maybe in your small group, people, someone you know, I'm not saying just trust the random person, but, but if you don't open yourself to accountability, you'll never have it. It's your responsibility to find someone. If you're a young couple in this room, you should have a married couple that speaks into your marriage that is at least 10 years older than you. Real talk, 20s and 30s, if you're married or you're dating and you don't got an older couple, man, you're going to mess up. Don't talk to your friends about your relationship. They don't know what they're doing. Right? Come on now. I'm going to get into that later. I have, I have, that's, that's, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So we all need it. We all need accountability. We all need people. Because that's what Jesus, what John is saying that Jesus begins to do. He begins to cleanse us of our sin when we begin to walk in the light with others. When we fellowship with one another, the, the cleansing of sin begins to take place. And therefore, we can have grace to confess so that way all unrighteousness can be cleansed from us. So I want to I show you this real quick. I want to show you this graph. And we've talked about this often. Everyone is made up of five elements in five areas. Number one, uh, you're spiritual. Number two, you're physical, right? Your body. Spirit is your spirit, the thing that connects with God. Number three, you're emotional, your, 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 your emotions, how your emotional capacity, your, right, your spiritual intelligence, your SQ, your physical intelligence, your physical, right? Your, and then your emotional, your EQ, your intelligence, your IQ, your intellect, your mind, and then your relationships, right? Your RQ, this idea of there's different facets and areas of your life. Now, I want to describe this. You have five areas, and we've talked about this, and we've shared this, um, different messages. We, we'll probably go back to this all the time, because here, our heart is to make you healthy. We want you to be healthy all the way, not just some things. And churches are really notorious for just talking about spirit, but we're not going to talk about relationships, or intellect, or emotions, or physical. We want to talk about every area, because it is only in every area that you can be completely healthy. You can be very healthy spiritually, but then not healthy relationally. Come on, isn't that true? You can pray all you want to God, but then no one likes you. That doesn't work. You can have all the information, intellect. You could be so smart and your mind could be in self-control, but your emotions are in chaos. And so we want to be healthy. But, but notice this. I think when we read this or we talk about this, or I've talked about this, so I want to bring some clarity. I think we think these are expressions or different parts of ourselves. Like one part of me is physical and one part of me is emotional and one part of me is intellectual and one part of me is spiritual and one part of me is relational. And to some degree that's true. But what we do is, we can think that those areas are separated. And, and an unhealthy person compartmentalizes these areas. So that way, they can just focus on one, thinking that that's all that really matters, but neglect the other two or three or four. Does that make sense? And that's unhealthy. Now, let me show you this other graph. This is what a healthy person is. Is your emotional, intellectual, physical, relational, and spiritual? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? We start, we start spiritual, the foundation of who you are. We believe as believers, as disciples, that unless your spirit is healthy, every part of your, as your aspects are not going to be out healthy. Every part of your life is not going to be healthy. Unless your spirit is healthy, every other part of who you are is going to kind of falter, kind of wither. And so, number one, your spirit has to be healthy. Amen? And then your relation, right? And then you could go into the areas. But, but here's what I want to focus on, which I think is so important, is that they're interconnected. Family, they're interconnected. 
And so we can think like, oh, just one part. Just, I just need to focus on my spiritual life. Like, man, I'm just working on my spiritual part, but, but you know, that's not going to affect everything else. No, everything else is connected. That's why you have kind of the dotted lines in there because they're interwoven with one another. And it's so critical to understand this. How many of you know that if you bring someone that you're not really down with to a party or Thanksgiving, like a family member, that's not just relational and health. That's going to affect your mind and your emotions that week. Come on now. You bring that wrong person to Thanksgiving, like that nephew. Everybody has that nephew. You know what I'm talking about. Or that cousin. And you're like, man, pray for me. They're coming over. Right? It, it, it's absolutely interwoven. It's absolutely interwoven. And so why I say that is because you can assume that your spiritual side or your today what we're focusing on is your relational side is just relationships, but no, it actually connects with everything else. Also, I want you to understand this because what I have learned is that the enemy will attack what you're weakest in to get to the area that you're strongest in. So let's say you have a strong mind, but man, spiritually you're struggling. God, the enemy will get into your mind by, attack, by trying to get into that weak area of your life. And so I want to be strong relationally because when I'm strong relationally, it affects my emotions. It affects my intellect. It affects my physicality. It affects my spirit. It all is affected because every part of who we are is affected and intertwined. Makes sense. You following me? Cool. And so our relational partnership with others influences our soulful desires. I'm going to say that one more time. Our relational partnership with others influences our soulful desires. I remember when I first got saved, I got saved at a black church in Crenshaw and it was fire. It was amazing. Got saved, encountered God. I'm not going to tell that story because I think I've shared it before and it's somewhere on YouTube. Um, and then I ended up getting discipled in this little Hispanic church and man, old school Hispanic church, they did church. Anybody ever grow up growing to church? You know what I'm talking about? Not like, oh, we're going to go to church. No, we're going to church. And, and, and your, your, your pastor, your boy, Pastor Chris, here I am, 12 years old, going to Spanish church. It was English, but it was mostly Mexicans. There was like 50 of us. And uh, we do church from 10 o'clock to like 12, 30, 1 o'clock. We do worship for like an hour. And there was no drums. Imagine that. And if you could hold a note, you got on the worship team. Like half the room was the worship team. Real talk. For an hour. And then announcements were like 20 minutes. There was another message in between the message for offering. Anybody remember those? Oh my goodness. It's like, you just, okay, I get it. I got to give. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then, and then, and then pastor would preach for like another hour, hour and a half. And then we would do communion afterward. I'm telling you, one time I went to church and my pastor, he was an older guy, Pastor Nick Cardenas, a man of God. He's, in, he's with Jesus now. And he was like, family? He said, I don't know what he said. Family, church? I was like 12 years old. He said, I, I couldn't decide on what message I'm going to do. So I'm just going to do both this morning. Bro. He preached one, gave us a bathroom break, and we came back and he did the other one. You all ain't ready. You all ain't ready. I wasn't ready. And then afterward, we, go, we used to go to this spot. So here's the Sunday, 10 to 12, 30, 1 o'clock, church. And then we would go to this spot in L.A. called Norms. Anybody know what that is? Normies? Yeah, thanks, Monica. I know you would. We'd go to Normies, man, Norms. It was like Denny's every week. And Norms' food was kind of trash. But we went. 
with everyone at church. Why? Because we had to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Anybody ever grow up in church where that's what you did every Sunday after church? My wife, she grew up the same way. Church all morning. And then after church, she'd go to this Mexican spot called Las Palmas and Manteca. That was like their thing because that's what you did. And then we went to lunch to like one or one to four. The whole church, all 40 of us. And then we went back for five o'clock evening service. Yeah, right, Joel? All day. All day. And y'all tripping that we make you go to a group once a week and go to a service for an hour and 15 minutes. And, and, and let, me just, let me just get on a rant real quick and let some of y'all only get here song three. Let's just be real. You, you missed song one and two and you barely made it a song three. Just, we'll blame it on the kids, okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> that was church. So here's what I learned right away is this word fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. And I thought fellowship was when you hang out with people outside of church. That's what I thought, right? And Hispanic culture, I, I joked about it a little bit last week, but Hispanic culture, you get a little bit of cafecito, some pan dulce, some donuts. I, I remember the first time Nessa said, back in the day, we used to give donuts here every Sunday. Don't get any ideas. We're way bigger now. So unless you want to start tithing a little more, just simmer down. But when we were like at 150 people, <laughs> I'm not trying to be cheap. I'm just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It, like the guys at MX and Lathrop, I'm like, that's like my boy. Because when I go over there with church stuff, he, we buy like a thousand donuts from that dude. They like love us. But uh, she, when it was just a hundred of us in the lobby, a little bit of cafecito in, in, in the high school or the school. And I remember the first time Nessa came to, it was called Lathrop Christian Center. And, and she, she, after church, she walked out and there was donuts and coffee and waters and pan. And she's like, this is my church. She didn't care what Pastor Eric preached on. She didn't care what the worship was like. She didn't, she, it could have been a cult. But ladies, some of you in the room, your spirit is connected to your stomach. Come on now. And wherever your stomach goes is where your heart goes. That's my wife. My wife doesn't need diamonds. My wife doesn't need jewelry. My wife needs in and out Can I get a witness? Like that's all she needs. I know, I know the way to my wife's heart. I know that if I messed up, I just need to come with a double-double, make sure there's no tomatoes, get the fries light and a Coke, and all is well in the, in the Sco's household. God, know your relationships. Where was I at? Fellowship. So we'd go fellowship, and we'd hang out. And right, it's, it's what we do, but, but, but it's deeper. The word, the word fellowship that, that John is describing is this word koinonia. Say koinonia. Koinonia is this idea of partnership. So it's not spending time together. That's what I thought fellowship was. But, but in studying it and reading it over the years, I've learned that, no, 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 what, what John is describing is not spending time with someone else. What John is describing is actually coming into partnership with other people. And so what he's saying is if you fellowship in the light, what you are doing is you are partnering, you are investing, you are linking arms with people in the light, but you cannot link arms with people in darkness. You can invest in them. You can love on them. You can missionally reach them. But there is a difference between fellowship relationships and missional relationships. And we have confused both of those. We think that because Jesus hung out with sinners, we can hang out with sinners, which is true. The problem is, is you're not hanging out with sinners. You're becoming like them. That's what we do. 
We let them influence us instead of us influencing them. We are koinonia, and, and Jesus never gives permission for the church to fellowship or koinonia with people in darkness. He gives permission to koinonia and fellowship with people in the light, but he doesn't give people permission to koinonia, to fellowship in the darkness. So, let me go back to the point. Our relational partnership, the relational partnership, koinonia, our koinonia, our fellowship with others will influence our soulful desires. Let me explain this in just kind of an analogy, and then we're going to close. I'm going to need some help from some of y'all. And so let's do this. Pastor Juan, Pastor Matt, help me. You helped me last time. Josh, can you help me on stage? I promise this was planned, but it wasn't planned. And then Aiden, come help me. Stephen, come help me. Uh, Jose, come help me. Come help me. That works. Jose, come help me. And then, can you help me a little bit push this back? Thanks, Pastor Juan. And then Antonio, come help me one more time. That'd be good. Come help me one more time. Let's see. I think I have enough people. Do I have too many? Do I have too many? Oh, that's perfect. Good, good. Okay, okay. Aiden, we did this first service, so you stand right here. Uh, Josh, scoot over a little bit more. You're right there. And then Josh, come on this side. Come on this side. Come on this side. And then, yeah, Stephen, go back. Stephen, go back. Stephen, go back. And then, and then you come over here. But Jose, you're going to come over here. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. All the way to the end. It's good. Humbling you. Okay. Now spread out just a little bit more. Spread out a little bit more. You, you guys spread out a little bit more. Spread out a little bit more. Right there is good. Spread out a little bit more. A little bit more. I get closer to, a little bit closer, Pastor. Okay, good. Okay, I promise it's going to make sense. Okay, here we go. So, everybody say flesh, soul, and spirit. So all of you, me, us, God has made us into three parts, and in that there's five parts. We talked about that earlier, but the Bible talks about three parts. We're body, flesh, soul, and spirit. So for this conversation, I want to just kind of show you how this works in that our relational partnership kind of tugs where our soul goes. So check this out. So we're going to say that Aiden, and isn't he a good-looking kid? Okay, we're going to say Aiden is our soul. Your soul, my soul, right? The Aiden, soul, all right? And then, and then Tone, he's going to be spirit. He's going to be the holy one. All right, I guess it works for today. Good, good. And these are going to be friends that you meet at church, relationships that follow Jesus, godly people. Jose, I put you on the wrong side. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So godly relationships, walking in the light. So that means this is, Stephen's going to be flesh. And these are going to be bad relationships, sinful relationships. So Pastor Juan, Pastor Matt, Y'all, the ratchet, hood right hoodlum people that we know we're not supposed to hang out with, but we hang out with them. Are we okay? And you all were black. It worked perfect. Okay, there we go. So walking in darkness, walking in light. Okay, this is what Paul, or sorry, this is what John is talking about. John is saying that when you decide to spend time in relationships that are in the light, your soul, this is how it works. And this is how it works for anything. Your mind, this is how it works for intellect. This is how it works for emotions, your spirit. Whatever you invest in is where your soul will lean. So your spirit and your flesh are in constant battle. That's why Paul says that when you got saved, that your flesh was crucified with Christ, and now your spirit is resurrected through the resurrection of Jesus. And so when you invest spiritually, right, in anything, your soul, so let's say I'm investing spiritually. Let's say I'm investing spiritually by praying, by fasting, by reading. My soul is going this way. Let's say when I invest in sinful behavior, when I invest in behavior that satisfies the flesh, Aiden, your soul goes this way. 
And why that matters is because our soul is the center of who we are in a lot of ways. And so our soul will determine the direction of where we go. That's why when you hear preachers come back to the middle, when you hear preachers say, man, we want to reach souls for Jesus, because if God can win the soul, then God can lean them on the spirit and begin to kill the flesh. So let's talk about relationships. Let's say you hang out only with people that love Jesus on Sundays. So here we go. Hopefully, come this way, come this way, come this way, right? Your soul is interconnected with your spirit and you are now investing in spiritual relationships right here. Sunday morning. I hope everyone hangs out with people that love Jesus Sunday morning. If you're not hanging out with people that don't love Jesus Sunday morning, I don't know what we're going to do about that one, okay? Like it's Sunday, it's kind of easy, we're all here, right? Hopefully you're not hanging out with ratchet hood room people on Sunday morning, I'm just saying. But if Monday, go this way, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're spending time fellowship, koinonia, relationship with people who are in sin and that are now influencing you in sin, no wonder like you feel like your life is in struggle. Because your soul, come back to the middle, will only go, listen, what you invest in. So if you invest in the flesh, it'll go that way. It'll go to darkness. If you, infle- if you invest in the light, you got to go this way. And so, and so why does this image kind of matter? And why, why, do, why does this kind of just kind of give you an example? Is I've met too many people who are trying to overcome the sin of their life. Whatever it is, the hidden sin, the broken sin, the insecurity, the condemnation, the lies, the addiction, whatever. But your relationships, you're not investing in the right relationships. You're investing in the wrong relationships. So if you hang out with a bunch of people who are also struggling with the same sin you're struggling with and you're not allowing yourself to be around people that are in the light, right? That are, you're not in a small group. You're not working on it. You're not developing. You're not growing. You're not letting people challenge you. And, 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 we, and this is what I was mentioning earlier. We all have that friend who gives us terrible advice. Don't look at them in the room if they're in here. Don't do that. But we all have them. And then we have that friend who will always tell us what we want to hear right? Come on. Like, you know, if you talk to this person, you'll just feel better about yourself because they're not going to confront you on anything. They're just going to tell you what you want to hear to make yourself feel good. Even when it was absolutely your fault, they'll switch it and be like, oh, that's not your fault, girl. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yes, it was. It was absolutely your fault. You were being stupid. And so we, if we invest in those relationships, no wonder then, and this is what begins to happen in any area of our life, the more you invest in flesh, your soul begins to decay and your spirit begins to die. I want that to sit for a minute. So some of us are like, man, what's going on with my church friendships? Well, it's probably because you're not investing in them. You're not making time. You're not, we gotta, we gotta make sure we're doing that. If you're investing in the wrong relationships, same thing with your mind. Let's use that as an example. If all your thoughts are of the flesh, then no wonder your mind is constantly filled with darkness. But if your mind is filled, go on this side with the spirit, which is truth and light and the word of Jesus, your mind will be filled with the grace and mercy and calling of God on your life. And so wherever your soul goes, whatever you invest in, so what are the friends in your life? What are the areas relationally? Let's talk about that. What are you doing koinonia with? Who are you doing koinonia with? Who are you partnering with in this season? Does that make sense? Come on, let's give it up for them just to give them a round of applause. Thanks, guys. And then Pastor Juan, if you can help me, that would be great. So I'm going to close.
So how do we practice spiritual family? How do, how do we practice biblical fellowship? How do, we, how do we begin to do this? How do we begin to work this out? And so I just have five things for you. Number one is the word fellowship. We have to start with fellowship. You need to identify people and get in proximity to other people who love Jesus. So start with there. Like if you don't allow yourself to get in the room, you'll never know. I have learned this. I don't like getting in shape. But if I'm going to the gym, you best believe I'm gonna lift some weights because I'm already there. Right? Like, it's the same thing with like sin. If you're gonna be around sin, it's very easy to just mess up. I, 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 I do this just as like a, just as an example, like an image. I don't know if you do this, but I do this. Like if food is in front of me, I'm just gonna eat it. I'm already full, but I'm just gonna, like, especially French fries, oh my God. And my daughter's just like me, me and her, we just dogging fries. I've already been full for like an hour. I don't care, I'm just eating fries. I'm just eating fries because it's around me. So, so oftentimes people just allow what's in their life, not based on intentionality, but on proximity. See, as adults now, you get to choose your relationships. Isn't that cool? Some of you, as teenagers, right, we make friends just based on who's around us, but, but actually now you get to choose. And so you need to partner with someone. You need to connect with someone. You need to find someone. I remember Pastor Juan was one of these people in my life at a young age, just as a friend. Like, I'm not talking about a pastor or mentor. Let's just stick with friend for now. Is that good? Find someone who would pray with you, love on you, believe with you, text you. So, so me and Pastor Juan, before we were pastors, we would hang out. We'd go to coffee. We'd go to Starbucks. We'd, we'd do lunch. Uh, he was at a church in Stockton. I was at a church here. And even before I got here, we knew each other. And every time we talked, we'd encourage each other. We'd pray. He would work at the mall. That's where I met Juan all the time. Was like he had a different job at the mall like every three, four months. Juan, you know, Pastor Juan's a hustler, bro. Like Pastor Juan gets down. That's why he was on the dark side. I'm just going to be honest. No, no, no. We talked for like 30 minutes. Most of his people thought he was doing a sales thing, but we were just talking and praying for each other. Pray each other at the mall. Like you need to find someone like that. You find people. Who is that in your life? Who, who are you fellowshipping with? And, and, and first step, are you fellowshipping with the wrong people? Are you in koinonia with someone who is decaying your soul? Because if you are, you need to set boundaries or you need to cut them off. Whatever the Lord leads you. I don't know what it is, but God will tell, God will tell you. So the first thing, how do we practice spiritual family? Is fellowship. Number two is confession. You need someone to confess your sin to, family. You need someone. You know, that's one of the things with me and my spouse, with me and my wife. I, I tell her when I'm struggling. Thank God for Vanessa. You need someone you can confess. And, and not like in a Catholic priestly way where you go to the confession booth. No, no. Just, hey, I'm struggling. I'm broken. I'm working on this sin. I'm working on this mindset. I'm, I'm tired of this. You, you need someone you can confess to. You need someone you could say, hey, pray for me. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with anger or rage or lust or whatever. And, and we need to be, make confession normal. It can't just be this like crazy thing that happens only like once every 10 years, but we've dealt with secret sin. That's no way to live. We have to find someone we can confess to. We can confess to. And someone that would then say, you're forgiven. You are loved. You are covered. Let's work a plan. Come on now. Let's work a plan. Let's do this. Let's work this. Right? Number three is repentance. 
Confession without repentance is just you feeling sorry for yourself. Confession is I'm getting the poison out. I'm speaking it. But repentance is now I'm going to renew my heart and change. So that way I no longer go back to what I was struggling with. We repent together. Right? It's not just, man, I messed up. But Jesus, I'm sorry. We're praying. We walk through repentance together. We walk through this together. And I'm not saying at small group this is going to happen all the time. But what I believe happens is at small group, the fellowship takes place. The koinonia, the, the, the relationships are established. And then you find someone who you begin to walk life with together. Not just at a small group, but in the every other day of your life. Number four, and then is accountability. We need someone to hold us accountable. We just repented. Now, okay, I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna walk you through this stuff. I'm gonna walk you through the pain. I'm gonna walk you through the hurt. And, it, and it's not counseling. You don't, a lot of us, we think we need to get counseled out of things. No, you just need to be held accountable and just allow the Lord to change your heart. I'm not saying counseling's bad. I believe in biblical counseling. I believe that God counsels marriages and family and therapy. I believe in all that. But some of us, it, it's not that. We just need accountability. We need someone to allow them to speak into our lives, to begin to practice what it means to do life like this. And then lastly, is transformation. You begin to form into the image of Jesus. Walk through these steps and see. Walk through these steps with people. And I guarantee, watch the transformation that God does in your life. Watch what God does. And so the question today is, are we walking in darkness or walking in light? That's how John said it. Straight up, are we walking, are the people we're doing life with, are we walking in darkness? Are we walking in light? Are your relationships, are you walking in darkness? Are you walking in light? And if you're like, man, you know what? I realize all my relationships are actually kind of dark. They're actually kind of centered around sin and they're centered around worldly behavior and, and worldly culture and secular humanism and, 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 and relative truth and, and all these lies and all these stuff. And, and you know what? I need to get into some koinonia, some fellowship, some relationship with people in the light. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do what we do at our church. Because we believe you are called to follow Jesus, not just on Sunday, but every single day of the week. We believe that your family is called to follow Jesus. That your spouse is called to follow Jesus. That God works us together in his own good. That when we are together, God begins to do things he can't do when we're apart. That we would walk in the light together so that way God begin to move and begin to speak in a way that he can't when we're just by ourselves. Are we walking in darkness? Are we walking in light? Stand your feet with me. And just close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. That's my question. You can only answer it. If you're in the room and you say, you know what, Pastor Chris, I'm walking with some people in darkness. And you know what I'm talking about. Like, don't try to Christianize this thing. You know what I mean by either loving on people and showing them the love of God or you're just like them and you're becoming like them. And, and what's happening is they are sowing into the habitual sin cycle that you're struggling with. They're sowing into the shame and the guilt and the addiction and all the stuff. They're, they're sowing into the condemnation and the lust and the sexual morality, all of it. I need to sever that. I need to have boundaries. I need to break that off my life. And I need to walk in the light like never before. Some of you in this room, you're like, man, I'm good. Then that's cool with me. I'm fine. That must mean you're really excited for group because you know the power of what God's going to do in the light with your family and who you are. But if you're in this room and you're like, you know what? I'm walking in darkness and I need to walk in the light. Do me a favor. Slip up your hand for me. I want to pray for you. Come on, all across the room. So good. 
So good, so good, so good. Let me pray for you and then we'll pray for the rest of the house. If you have your hand up, just slip your hand over your heart. Or if you know you needed to have your hand up, slip your hand over your heart. Just pray for your soul and your spirit. Father, I pray right now that their flesh would die. Because that's what your word says, that their flesh has been crucified. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.